this week's message is given by uh, Brother Trivet from uh, Chattanooga area. He's currently a missionary to the Native Americans um, on the reservations out in uh, New Mexico, Arizona, and Wyoming. Hope you enjoy the, the message given by him today, and then Brother uh, Carter will be back next week. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, Preacher will be back next week. And I'm going to draw your attention to some verses of Scripture this morning. Again, it's a joy to be here. Pastor, thank you for allowing me to come. I like to be in places where people act like they want to go to church. Amen. Listen, you need to travel with me from week to week. I'm in some places that if they let a cow down the aisle and milked her, she'd give popsicles. You're talking about cold. And most churches, they don't want anything. Kind of reminds me of a story I heard one time. This fellow went into a restaurant. He had a neck brace on. He ordered him a Coca-Cola. The waitress brought it to him. He said, excuse me, but is that not Jesus sitting in the corner? And she said, it is. He said, well, give him a coat and I'll take care of it. A few minutes, this fella come in. He had a back brace on and he ordered him a, a cup of coffee. She brought it and he said, excuse me, but is that not Jesus sitting in the corner? And she said, it is. He said, well, give him a cup of coffee and I'll take care of it. A few minutes, this old southern redneck came in. He's on crutches. And he said, hey, darling, so give me a glass of sweet tea. So she brought him a tea. He said, honey, is that not Jesus back there? And she said, it is. He said, well, give him a glass of sweet tea and I'll take care of it. Well, when the Lord got ready to leave, he walked over to the man, had a neck brace on, reached over and put his hand on his shoulder and said, sir, for your kindness, you are healed. He took his neck brace off and lapped the building three or four times. And then he walked over to the man, had the uh, back brace on, reached over and put his hand on him and said, sir, for your kindness, you are healed. And he took his back brace off and did cartwheels going out the door, praising God. And then the Lord walked over the old southern redneck, started to reach over and touch him. He said, no, 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 don't touch me. I'm drawing disability. Well, it kind of, it reminds me that there's some that don't want anything. Amen. I thought coming down the road this morning, I thought about all of you Alabama folk and, and the game last night. And I thought, well, I really need to encourage a heart or two. I know the preacher's excited. Personally, I think the Antichrist will be a Florida graduate, but anyway, that's, that's, my, that's my particular conviction. I'm sorry. I <laughs> know it. Amen. But I thought about you. Psalm 116. I love this psalm. And I love it for many reasons. But I love it for the way it begins. He begins by saying, I love the Lord. Do you love the Lord this morning? Say amen. But he not only tells us that he loves the Lord, but he begins to tell us why he loves the Lord. He said in verse 1, I love the Lord because... Because he hath heard my voice and my supplications. Because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. 
The sorrows of death compassed me, and the pains of hell got hold upon me, and I found trouble and sorrow. Then called I upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yea, our God is merciful. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low, and he helped me. Return into thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death. Let's stop there. Thank you. you. may be seated. Let's pray. And I want us to think this morning about reasons why we love the Lord. The psalmist talked about loving the Lord. Why do we love the Lord? Let's pray. Our Father, it's already been a blessing to be here this morning. Thank you, Lord, for this place, and thank you for what you are doing in this place. Thank you for this pastor, this people. Thank you for putting them together and putting this ministry together and doing the work that you're doing through them. I ask, Lord, that the hand of God continue to rest upon them. And I pray that in the days and the years to come that you would do far more than they could even imagine. I know you can. But Lord, as we come this morning, we wait before you and we ask you, Lord, that you would touch the next few moments and that you would breathe upon the next few moments and may we hear you in everything that is said and done. I know these people, Lord, they hear the word of God week in and week out. And Lord, they do not need to hear from me. But we all need to hear from you. And I pray, Lord, that you would fill me in a fresh way. And I pray that you would speak to all of our hearts, mine included. You know every need, and I pray you'd work to meet those needs. For it is in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ we ask these things. Amen. When I talk about the matter of loving the Lord, I am mindful this morning that any love that I have for Him is a love that has been motivated entirely by His love for me. The Scripture said we love Him. Why? Because He first loved us. You see, our love for Christ has been motivated by His love for us. And the depths of my love for Him is motivated by the depths of His love for me. And the measure of my love and the length of my love and the length of your love is motivated entirely by the measure and the length of His love. We love Him because He first loved us. Now when I think about His love, I think about a love that is never on trial. I think about a love that has never been questioned. I think about a love that has never been challenged. You never have to doubt the love of God. You do not measure God's love by your wealth. You do not measure the love of God by your health. We do not measure God's love by whether or not we have two Mercedes sitting in the driveway or whether I have a clean bill of health. No, you measure the love of God by the cross. And if you want to know how much God loves you, you just look to the cross. There we see the love of God declared. There we see the love of God defined. And there we see the love of God displayed. I know God loves me and Calvary is the proof of that love. Again, his love is never on trial. But on the other hand, my love is constantly on trial. 
Do I love Him with all of my heart and with all of my soul and with all of my mind? As Jesus said to Peter, lovest thou me? The Lord is constantly challenging our love for him. Although his love is never being challenged, our love is constantly being challenged by the word of God. Do we love him with all of our heart? And do we love him with all of our mind? And do we love him with all of our soul? Do we love him with all of our being? A.J. Gordon wrote that great hymn, My Jesus, I Love Thee. I know thou art mine, and for thee all the follies of sin I resign. My gracious Redeemer, my Savior art thou. If ever I loved thee, my Jesus, tis now. But the issue, do we love the Lord, again, is always on trial. But the psalmist, you'll notice as we read a moment ago, he begins in verse 1 by stating his love for the Lord. But he not only states his love, but he begins to give us reasons why he loved the Lord. Let me point out three reasons why he loved the Lord. And I'm sure you would agree these are reasons why we love the Lord. You notice first of all in verse 1 and 2 that he states that he loves the Lord because he hears me. He said in verse 1, I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications. Because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. Now the psalmist talks about two distinct responses of God to his prayers. He talks about the attention God had given to his prayers. And he noticed in verse 1 and 2 that he defines it as a personal attention that God had given to his prayers. In verse 1, I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice, and because he hath heard my supplications. It's like he is overwhelmed with the very idea that God has listened to him. He hath heard my voice, and he hath heard my supplications. That word supplication has the idea of bringing our needs before God, of lacking in life and then bringing our lack or our needs and laying them out before God. And the psalmist is saying that there had been a time in his life that he had brought his needs to God. That there had been needs in his life and he had laid those needs out before God. And when he had laid those needs out before God, God had heard his prayers. God had personally paid attention to his prayers. Aren't you glad God listens to us when we pray? And I want to remind you today that you're not just some number in a heavenly computer or not just some name on a heavenly roll among a roll in a multitude there. You are an individual to God and you are as important to God as any other individual and that when we pray, He hears my prayers and He hears your prayers. But not just the personal attention. But there is the priority attention in verse 2. Because he hath inclined his ear unto me. And the ideal of inclining his ear, the word incline has the ideal of someone bending down, of turning aside and bending down. It's like someone giving someone else their undivided attention. The psalmist said he heard my voice. When I brought my needs to God, he heard my supplications. 
And when I come to God with my needs, he said, it's like God gave me his undivided attention. You know, the amazing thing about God is he can give his undivided attention to every one of us at the same time. He's that kind of God. He doesn't treat us like just a number or a name. No, God deals with us personally. And he gives us his undivided attention. And the psalmist said, this is one of the reasons I love God. This is one of the reasons I love the Lord. He has heard me. You know, I'd say today, if I was to pass out a sheet of paper and say, why do you love God? Why do you love the Lord? I'm sure we'd get all kinds of reasons. But no doubt on there, on that list would be somebody saying, because I came to him in prayer. I prayed to him and he heard me. I love him because he hears my prayers and that I can go to God in a time of need and God will hear me. He said, I love the Lord because he hears me. But look at something else that he said. He said, I not only love the Lord because he hears me, but he said, I love the Lord because he helps me. Notice what he said down in verse 6. He said, the Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low and he helped me. He said, I not only love the Lord because he hears me, but I love the Lord because he helps me. Now he described some of his circumstances. There were the difficulties that he encountered. You notice in verse 3, he said, the sorrows of death compass me. See the word sorrows, it literally describes a cord or a rope. He said, the sorrows of death compass me. He said, it's like what I was going through. It's not physical death, but it was like it was choking the very life out of me. It's like I was going through these dark times in my life and these difficult times in my life. It's like a rope around me, the sorrows of death. It's like they were choking the very life out of my soul. He talked about the pains of hell. Had they got hold upon him, I found trouble and sorrow. He said, I was absolutely surrounded by trouble. I looked this way and there was trouble. And I looked this way and there was trouble. And I looked this way and there was trouble. He said, I was absolutely surrounded and compassed with all kinds of difficulties. He talks about down in verse 6. He said, I was brought low. And that phrase, I was brought low, would be the same thing as you and I saying, I hit rock bottom. He said, I went through all of these things in my life. These were some of the darkest hours of my life, difficult days in my life. All of these things were compassing me and surrounding me and they were choking the very life out of my soul. And I came to the end of my hoarded resources and I found myself hitting rock bottom. We've all been there. We've all been there when the weight of life itself crushes us down. We've all been there when the burdens press and the cares distress. There's the difficulties we encounter. But thank God there was the deliverance he experienced. He said in that hour when it seemed like these things were choking the very life out of me, what did he do in verse 4? Then called I upon the name of the Lord. What do you do when life 
It's full of burdens and heartaches and troubles. I'll tell you what to do. You go to Christ. You go to Jesus. He said, then called I upon the name of the Lord. And he said in verse 6 again, I hit rock bottom. But it was in that hour that the Lord, he helped me. Why do we love him today? The psalmist reduced in strength, depressed in spirit, sick in body, slandered in character, stricken with grief. But in that hour, the Lord helped him. Why do we love him? Because standing somewhere in the shadows you'll find Jesus. Why do we love him? Just when we need him the most, he'll always be there. In the waiting rooms of the intensive care unit, he was there to help you. When you went out to the cemetery and you left a big part of your heart out there, the Lord did not abandon you or forsake you, but he was there to help you. When you got a bad report, from the doctor when you got a pink slip on Friday he was there to help you and one of the reasons we love him is because just when we need him he's there to help us to strengthen us to guide us to give us what we need he does not leave us but he's there to help us had a little lady in the church I pastored She's one of the most godly ladies I ever knew. She taught a Sunday school class for 40 years. And we eventually named the class after the Watts class. Mrs. Alice Watts. I remember she made the time that I, she was living while I was there. She missed one Sunday. And she was in the emergency room at Memorial Hospital then. So someone came in and said, Brother Ken, Mrs. Watts, they had to take her to the emergency room this morning. And I went over after the service and went to the emergency room and went back in the emergency room. And when I saw her, she started crying. And she said, Brother Ken, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. I let you down today, Brother Ken. And I said, Miss Watts, how did you let me down? She said, I wasn't able to teach my Sunday school class today. She's in the emergency room apologizing to me. I thought, praise God, I wish I had a dozen more like her. But a godly lady. I used to go by her house not to pray with her, but just get her to pray with me. She was a godly lady. But her husband lived. He was in the hospital. He wasn't doing good. And I went by one day and I walked in the room. And the minute I walked in the room, I knew he was gone. His body was still on the bed. None of the family was in the room. But I knew he was gone. And I went down the hall to the nurse's desk. I said, can you tell me where the Watts family is? And they led me to a private room. I walked in. She's sitting there with her daughter and her grandson. And she just broke down and started crying. She had to cry like a little child. It just ripped your heart out. She was in her 80s. And her and her husband, they were like teenagers. I'd go in and he'd say, don't Alice look pretty today? And she'd say, oh, don't talk that way in front of the preacher. Don't talk that way in front of the preacher. He'd talk about how pretty she was and how much she loved her. They'd been married over 60 years. I walked over there and sat down beside her. I didn't know what to say. I just took her by the hand. I said, Miss Watts, I am so sorry. And she just wept. She said, Brother Ken, what am I going to do? What am I going to do without him? Lit took care of this. He did all of this. Brother Ken, what am I going to do? I don't know what I'll do without him. I was at the funeral home when they came to view the body for the first time. 
I walked up the casket with her and she started weeping again. She said, Brother Ken, what am I going to do without him? How am I going to make it without him? We had his funeral over the church. We were in an old auditorium at the time. She sat right down in the middle section. And during the service, I watched her. She nodded her little head, smiled, and I'd hear a little amen once in a while from her. And we were leaving the auditorium that day and heading. I was walking her, had her by the arm, and was walking to the family car, car and she stopped. She said, Brother Ken, she said, I've been so worried about what I was going to do. But she said, as soon as we walked through the doors of the house of God, I knew everything was going to be all right. We walked about 10 more steps and she stopped. She looked up at me and she said, Brother Ken, the Lord helped me today. The Lord helped me today. I'm glad he helps us. Are you listening to me? Why do we love him? I'll tell you why we love him. Because he's there when we need him. And in our darkest towers, in our difficult times, thank God he's there to help us. Had a little lady, she come down one Sunday morning, simple little lady, simple little lady. You never even know she's even in the place, but faithful to God. She had children away from God, a couple of girls. She fell over the altar that morning and she just poured her heart out. I knelt down beside her and I'll never forget what I heard her pray that day. She was praying, God, bring my girls back. Bring my girls back. God, if it takes my life, bring my girls back. About a month later, she went to the doctor to have her blood checked. She was feeling bad. She went to the doctor. They did some blood tests. She left the doctor's office and went home. In time, she left the doctor's office and got to the house. They had called and told her they wanted her to come back. There was something they wanted to check again. She went back and she learned she had leukemia. It was about a month later she was in Vanderbilt Hospital in Nashville. She never got to come home. By the way, her girls did come back to the Lord. But I remember one Sunday night is coming down the hall. Someone said, Brother Ken, telephone. I believe it's one of Nancy's girls. And I said, hello. And they said, Brother Ken, Mama's not doing good. So the doctor said she won't make it through the night. And I said, I'll be there as soon as I can. And We had our evening service and I got in my car, drove to Nashville, Tennessee to Vanderbilt Hospital, shot up to the eighth floor of Vanderbilt Hospital. When the elevator doors were open, her husband was leaning against the wall on the opposite side of the hall. And when he saw me, he just came running toward me and just fell on me. And he said, Brother Ken, he just cried. He said, Brother Ken, you were right. Brother Ken, you were right. Brother Danny was right. Brother Bill was right. Brother Ken, you were right. And I said, Brother Jimmy, what do you mean I was right? He said, Brother Ken, God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient. I say to you, we love him. Why? He hears us. We love him because he helps us. In our hour of greatest need, God is there to give us what we need. Can I get an amen right there? We love him because he hears us. We love him because he helps us. But I want you to notice in verse 6, rather in verse 7, he talks about not only 
that he loves the Lord because he hears me, because he helps me. But in verse 7, because he honors me. Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. I love that statement. I want you to know this morning, God's not a brill cream God. Now, I'm dating myself when I make that statement. I understand that. How many of you remember that brill cream commercial? Just a dab will do. God's not in the dabbing business. He daily loadeth us with his benefits. And the psalmist said, He hath dealt bountifully with me. See that phrase, dealt bountifully? It has the, has the idea of rewarding someone, of honoring someone for something they have done or honoring them over some reason. And the psalmist said, I love him because he hath dealt bountifully with me. He has honored me. He said, God has done so much in my life. What, how had God honored him? He said, for one thing, you notice down in verse 16, he said, I am one thing. He said, because he has made me his son. He said, I, he said, oh Lord, truly I am thy servant. I am thy servant. And the son of thine handmaid, thou hast loosed my bonds. That phrase, the son of a handmaid, you find it occasionally in the Psalms. It has the ideal of someone that has been set free from slavery and been brought and accepted into the family. He said, thou hast loosed my bonds. I am the son of thine handmaid. I think about being a son. I think about a little adopted boy I heard about one time. So adopted boy came home one day and his mother noticed that he'd been crying. She said, son, what's wrong? He said, Mama, they were making fun at me at school today because I'm adopted. And she said, sit down here, son. I need to talk to you. So she sat him down. She said, son, there was a day me and your daddy wanted to have a baby. We tried every way in the world to have a baby, but we couldn't have a baby. So we went down to the hospital. We looked at hundreds of babies. We looked at fat babies. We looked at skinny babies. We looked at bald-headed babies. We looked at babies with brown hair, black hair, uh, blonde hair, red hair. We looked at long babies. We looked at short babies. We looked at hundreds of babies. And out of all those babies, we picked you. He went back to school next day. When he came home, he come through the door, just bouncing through the door. And his mama, she could tell he's in a better mood. She said, well, how did school go today? She's, he said, it went fine. She said, did anybody make fun of you today for being adopted? He said, they did. She said, well, what did you say to him? He said, I told them. There's a day my mom and daddy wanted to have a baby. They couldn't have a baby, so they went down to the hospital. They looked at hundreds of babies. They looked at fat babies. They looked at skinny babies. They looked at long babies. They looked at short babies. They looked at babies with red hair, brown hair, black hair, blonde hair, babies that even bald-headed. And now all those babies, they picked me. But when you came along, your mom and daddy had to take just got what they got. Amen. God, listen to me. One of the reasons I love him is that God has let me be his son. I was once lost and bound in the chains of my sin, but he hath loosed me and set me free and made me a son of God. Why do we love him today? Because we're his children. We've been redeemed. We've been set free. He said, I love him. He said, he's honored me by letting me be his son. But not only letting me be his son, but he's also made me and let me be his servant. 
He said in verse 16, O Lord, truly I am thy servant. It's like he's so overwhelmed with this thought that he has to say it again. I am thy servant. It's so amazing that God would save us. I got saved on Easter Sunday, 1972, in the mountains of North Carolina. I'm a hillbilly, excuse me. We, we, that's, that's politically incorrect. I read the other day that now you have Appalachian, or you have a, a Native Americans, you have African Americans and whatever. Hillbillies officially are Appalachian Americans now. So there's no such thing as a hillbilly. But I grew up in the mountains of North Carolina eating maters, taters, chewing backer. I did all of those kind of things. I grew up in the mountains there. And I got saved on Easter Sunday morning. I never ever thought I'd ever leave Watauga County. I never ever thought that I'd ever go outside of my little hometown. But God on a Sunday night broke my heart. And I fell on my knees in an old-fashioned altar at the age of 16. I said, God, I'll be anything you want me to be. I'll do anything God want you, you would want me to do. And I think about all God's let me do. He has honored this boy. I don't know about you, but he's honored this old hillbilly. And the truth of the matter is, God has honored all of us by letting us be a servant of God. Think about Native Americans. I pastored a Baptist church all of my life. And Native Americans, most of, I've said to people, Native Americans, most of them are alcoholics, hooked on meth, they won't work. And after pastoring some Baptist churches, I really feel like I'm working with a better class of people. You know what I mean? Can I get a man right there? But God, is, I, it amazes me. God has let me be his servant. And God has let you be a servant. We love him, the psalmist said. I love him. Why? Because he hears me. I love him because he helps me. And I love him because he has honored me. Now let me ask you a question. Do you love the Lord today? Can you say with A.J. Gord, my Jesus, I love thee, I know thou art mine. And if ever, if ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. Think about the Welsh revival, probably the greatest revival history has ever known, 1904, 1905, 1906. Seedbeds of it began with a little teenage girl. God had begun moving and young people at heaven. Roberts came back to Mariah Chapel in Locker, Wales, and a burden for the young people came back on Monday night and God began to move and revival broke out. But the seed bed was laid with a little girl by the name of Corey Evans. She showed so backwards, so backwards. But she got up in a service and she was so backward that she just stood there for a few minutes and finally she just blurted it out. I just want you to know I love Jesus with all of my heart. And she sat back down. And God began to move and work in hearts Loving Jesus with all of her heart. I believe if God's people fell in love with Him, we're in, it's not that we don't love things. We're in love with everything but the right thing. Like Thomas Carlyle said of Thomas De Quincey that he was full of bankrupt enthusiasms. It's not we don't get enthused. We get enthused about everything but the right thing. If we fell head over in heels in love with Jesus Christ, you're talking about revival breaking out, it would but loving Him. Here's, here's my invitation to you this Sunday morning. 
I know most of the time when we give an invitation and, and we'll ask your pastor to come in a minute, I don't know how you normally do things. But I know most of the time when we give an invitation, we encourage people to bring their needs. And I'm glad you can bring your needs. I talked about him helping you. If you're here this Sunday morning and you are in a difficult, dark, discouraging time in your life, thank God he's here to help you. And he will help you if you let him help you. And I encourage you to come in a moment and let him help you. But most of the time we come to the altar and it's all, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. When's the last time you got on your knees and you didn't ask for one thing, but you just said, Lord, I want you to know I love you. I love you for saving me. I love you for letting me teach that little boy's girl's class. I love you for letting me be in this small group. I love you for letting me work in Awana. I love you for giving me a good church. I love you for giving me a good wife, a good husband. I love you for giving me a good family. I love you for giving me a good church. I love you for giving me a good pastor. I love you for giving me a good job. When was the last time you just got on your knees and you told the Lord you loved Him? And you told Him why you loved Him. Psalmist said, I love the Lord. I love the Lord because He hears me. I love Him because He helps me. I love Him because He honors me. Would you stand to your feet, please? Pastor, you come. Thank you. Amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Y'all heard the invitation. Let's do it. Let's do it. All the church that will. Let's find a place in this.